we would have had a new NWA television champion if it had not been for Baby Doll. And here they come now. Hey, let me tell you what, where do you see anybody else putting their championship up on national television against the competition that I do? Yeah, it's just like Oklahoma beat Texas too, right? What the official says and so it goes, and that's exactly right. And I'm still the NWA. He disqualified. That's the only reason he went to the NWA television champion, and that's what counts, David Crockett. Whether you like to stop talking to me about it, you want to talk to me about it? Let me tell you what. Two times, two times, let's get you out of the Don't get him out of the face. Don't get him out of the face. I'm ready for it. Right. Let's look for it. Place to be Nation Wrestling, welcome to episode number 44 of NWA Crock and Roll. I am your host, Sean Kidd, and we are kind of in a pause point here. Uh, where we're, you know, I talked about on our last show that um, we were going to have kind of like a pause point uh, to kind of breathe and simmer between monthly watches. Uh, and so we've done, a, we come up with this concept that is very similar to what we did in the before we, uh, before they were Crockett watches uh, back when we had the great Peacock thing happen. Uh, and we're going to do a concept called pre-Crockett match year spotlight. 
And every every um, every episode we do of these will be a different year featuring wrestlers that are in current Crockett that we have watched over the last year. So we could kind of get a feel for maybe some of the matches they were doing or some of the feuds that were going on. But the reason why I picked up 1985 was, you know, we started this podcast in April of 85, but plenty of stuff happened before we even got to April of 85. So I thought it'd be a great year to start. And my concept that I would do with this is every year, every, every time we do one of these episodes, we're going to go backwards. So the next time we do it will be 84. Then we'll do the 83. I think I have it mapped out as far back as 1976. Once we stop there, we'll reboot and go back to 85. So I think it's a really cool concept that will give us an opportunity to watch some different matches outside of the Crockett zone that maybe we have seen, maybe we haven't seen. But I can tell you for a fact, um, all these matches tonight, I had not seen any of these. So it's been good for me. So you guys ready to jump right in? Six matches. So you guys ready to jump right in? Ready to do it. All right. Let's go. And I forgot to mention, by the way, Dr. G and Scott. I always do the intro. I forgot to. Uh, Dr. G is with us. Scott Shiflett is with us. Uh, Colum, um, as you know, is not with us. We we tape both episodes at one night, and Colum copped out because of a goddamn Wahoo match. So hopefully he'll be back when we start talking about May. All right. So our first match, we're going to Dallas, and we're going to World Class, and it is for the NWA World Heavyweight Title. This takes place on January nineteenth. 1985, by the way, every single one of these matches, I believe you can find on YouTube for anybody that wants to go back and watch this. So it is Ric Flair versus Terry Gordy, which, again, you know, in 1985, I had no idea this match had happened. Um, but it is for the World Heavyweight title. It is for World Class. It is January 19th, 1985. So Flair comes out in this hot pink robe that I don't think I've ever seen him uh, wear. It's absolutely awesome. Uh, Terry looks like he had just come back from the bar in his bomber jacket as the crowd cheers for him on his intro. Uh, Flair gets a, a mixed reaction. Bill Mercer um, compares Flair, who's the, Bill Mercer is the announcer, compares Flair to Gorgeous George, which I really don't see that comparison. But anyway, Billy Jack Haynes comes out with sunshine and he comes out and challenges the winner. Um, he goes over and he shakes uh, Terry Gordy's hand and Flair, uh, he goes to shake Flair's hand, but Flair isn't shaking shit. Uh, Flair gets on the mic and says he gets everything he wants. He talks about beating up the Von Erics, um, and he talks about cars and planes. Um, and then he gets in Sunshine's face, says he's wanted Sunshine for years. <laughs> he says to give him a kiss and she will never look at another man again. And she does. And then she slaps him. She tells Flair he has a long way to go. Flair yells she will regret this, but love this stuff. Um, I love like in the territory, like when he does the territories, I love when it sets up future programs. Like, now you got a program between him and Gordy or him and uh, Billy Jack Haynes, which again, um, I just love what he does the territory stuff. So we get a hot start with Flair chops and Terry press slamming Flair across the ring. Uh, some nice knees to Flair's head, elbows and punches, then throws him upside down in the corner. Flair takes an uh, take, does an eye to escape, uh, rakes the eye to get a sleeper. Flair throws Terry outside. He drops the knee once back in. Then he hits kidney punches. Terry gets pissed off, does some nice jabbing punches and elbow to Flair. Um, Terry works the arm and he destroys Flair with a clothesline off the ropes. Gordy gets a small package at a backside for two. Flair avoids a pile driver by pushing Terry into the rope. Uh, he, uh, he climbs to the top and actually hits an elbow and he takes Terry down with a front face lock and hits a nice looking pile driver. Uh, Flair misses a knee, but then Gordy gets a figure four. Gordy gets a suplex, does a, a tossing power slam. Uh, Gordy gets the oriental spike, but Flair gets to the ropes. Uh, Terry gets a backdrop to Flair out of the corner and then a headbutt. 
Uh, Flair reverses a throw to the corner and lifts Terry up for a back suplex, and Terry kicks off the top rope, which would look pretty cool. Both fall backwards. The ref counts three as Flair has his foot on the rope. Terry thinks he's won, but Flair is awarded the match. The crowd is super pissed off. Um, guys, I thought this match was pretty damn awesome. Um, I thought it was also different than most Flair matches, as he didn't follow his typical formula where it felt like he was somewhat even matched with Gordy versus getting his ass kicked for 20 minutes and then randomly just getting something in between. So I really, really like this. Um, yeah, it's just and it never really slowed down, just like real no rest spots. So I actually went three and a quarter on this. Scott, what about you? All right, Sean, I told you that there was going to be some times where I'm just dropping stars all over the place. Yes. This is one of the times. Yes. I really enjoyed this match. Like, I, I think it's because they went away from, like you said, the quote-unquote the flair formula. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, the start of it was just funny as hell with him kissing uh, Sunshine and she smacked the hell out of him. But there was just so much. I love Gordy. Gordy and Flair had good chemistry. Um it's. I don't think there's too many more matches. There, there might be. I'm sure there is. But like, they never really had a big sustained feud because I know Gordy was in, in world class and Japan, and Flair was of course, you know, with Crockett. Um, but I, I just loved how Gordy hit the backslide, and they. It was a nice callback to Carey beating Flair with the same move, because mm-hmm. it, it was there in Texas. I loved that. Even the announcer called it out on that. Uh, I like Flair hitting actually hitting the pile driver. With that and the ending, I just love the ending. It's like Flair gets his shoulder up at the last second with his foot on the rope, and it and it was just amazing. I went three and three quarters for this. I nice, very nice. I I, I stopped taking notes halfway through because I got so enthralled with the match. Awesome. So Good. like my yeah. notes, my notes are all over the place. Like I, I literally have nice suplex from Gordy to like the ending. Flair using top rope to backdrop Gordy and get his shoulder up. But yeah, I, I just really enjoyed that match. Yeah, I mean, I might. Have, you know what? I could probably convince to go three and a half on this. I think I'll change it because I, I'm with you. I, I really, really enjoyed this match. Doctor G, what did you think? I enjoyed it as well. I gave it three and a quarter stars. I think, um, what I liked about it is I liked the the pre match stuff. Yes, which was really good. The announcing. That's the only thing of him calling out about the the backslide or whatever was probably the only good thing that he did. I didn't realize how bad the announcing was in world class. The other thing I noticed, if you guys didn't notice, they never called it the NWA world championship. Do you ever notice that? No, yeah. They in world class. They didn't. They always said the world heavyweight title. They never said NWA in world class, which was, I know that they separated yeah. too long after this, but um, I, I just, something I thought I'd point out. And then I, I remember Billy Jack Haynes being in, world class but it was for a cup of coffee and i didn't remember this this uh specific angle so again i just the pre-match stuff definitely added a little bit more to it and the match itself one thing i noticed about terry gordy he could move for a big guy i keep, i forgot how how good Dude. he could move in the ring but it, it's and how early it was like even like gordy like even in the like early eight like 82 83 like he's so young he's only he's like in his early 20s um yeah. It's amazing. You're right. They did. They seemed like they had a chemistry, even though uh, Gordy was such a big guy uh, because he could work like a, a, you know, a 250 pounder. He, he really, um, you know, moved around the ring pretty well. And and again, it wasn't the typical Ric Flair match, which I agree with you both on. Which was really nice. And then the ending, you know, like 
you, you probably knew Flair wasn't going to lose the belt there, but just the way they did it was kind of cool. Well, they and actually got to finish again. It's like Japan, where territory usually you get the schmaz because they don't want their guy to lose, but you actually got a winner. Well, you got a winner, and it still made and Gordy still looked strong. He yep. didn't look weak in the in the situation. So, um, I thought it was very well done. Three and a quarter on that. I have no no problems with that. Like I agree with you, Scott. I, I don't have money notes because I got into the match and just just enjoyed it. It's okay. I got the notes covered, guys. So just go with the flow. You're good. Uh, but yeah, really good match. Um, I would definitely recommend this one to go check it out. I thought it was a really great, great match. All right, second match. Um, we are going. We are going to the AWA, and we are going to Road Warriors versus the High Flyers. Now, the High Flyers, and I know Schiff shits on the High Flyers because it's Greg Gagne, and a lot of people shit on Greg Gagne. What I will tell you is, I hadn't watched a lot of High Flyers matches, but um, on my new pod uh, before I was a Mark Cheap plug, um, one of the matches I chose to watch was a High Flyers match, and he took on Tito Santana and Rick Martel. Um, before they were even strike force, it was in the early eighties and I watched the match and I was absolutely blown away by the match. And I was absolutely blown away by how good the high flyers were specifically Brunzel. Um, so, cause I think I went four stars on that match shift I don't remember you watched it, but I think I, you, you, you did, you did. Yeah. Um, and that might've been a little high, but I was just floored by it. It was just a great match. So I was like, all right, so I was doing research for this. All right. See what the road warriors are doing. Um, they're the AWA tag team champions. So. I found them versus the High Flyers, so I said, "Why not?" Because I would really like to know what uh, what the, what you guys would think of the High Flyers uh, as a team, because I loved them, and I was wondering if I was going to feel the same way after watching them in this. So, Road Warriors versus High Flyers. So, <clears throat> a lot of like pre-match shit here. We start with Greg Gagne and Larry Nelson. Uh, I, I, I guess I gather it was from the week before, and uh, Greg Gagne is back from a knee injury and blames Ellering for why they him and uh, Brenzel aren't champs yet. He maps out the strategy was pretty dumb to do with the Road Warriors, I thought. Like, why would you tell the Road Warriors what you're going to do? Basically, it's take the big guys down, basically. Uh, then we go to a week later, and we're with Nelson, who is now with Brunzel and Ganya. Brunzel goes in about destiny and their style to beat the Road Warriors. Ganya does the whole wrestling on a marquee bullshit promo and says it's wrestling, not bodybuilding. Uh, they get control for 15 minutes. They will win, and this will not slip away, and they threaten to beat up Paul Ellering. So that's kind of the pre-match setup. Uh, we go to the match. High Flyers come out to a great value song that sounded a lot like it could have been out of a Rocky movie. I had no idea what it was, but it sounded like, you know, and literally I thought they, were, they, they thought they were Rocky Balboa coming to the ring. The Warriors come out to Iron Man. Um, I imagine for AWA fans, this is a bit of a dream match as far as face versus heel teams because the High Flyers are one of their all-time great tag teams. Obviously, the Road Warriors, um, a great team at this point in time. Warriors look like they could eat the fly- High Flyers as an appetizer, especially Greg Gagne, who... Um, definitely looks way too skinny. Uh, they ban Ellering from ringside. Um, Wally Carbo, who I guess is a senior official here in AWA, bans Paul uh, from ringside. Ken Resnick is a ring announcer and sounds very carny um, in this. If you remember Resnick, he was in the WWF in uh, a short time after this. Uh, clearly, you can hear Hawk yell bullshit as Paul throws a fit after being thrown out. Uh, then Warriors just go to town and beat up the beat out beat the shit out of the high flyers to. Uh, Start, but the Flyers rev up and sent both Road Warriors out of the ring. And also did it with a double drop kick on Hawk, which I thought was good. Crowd went absolutely nuts. <clears throat> um, Hawk hits a knee on the turnbuckle on a mischarge. And Flyers, based on that knee, go to town on him with quick tags and double teams on the leg, which is a smart strategy. Um, and finally, uh, Hawk, who is it? Uh, animal tags in, weightlift press slam on uh, Ganya. 
Anna will then misses a leg drop, and now the Flyers double-team his leg again, which is a smart strategy. Uh, visually, I thought the Flyers' offense made sense to keep the big team at bay. You know, it's typical small team versus big team. Gagne gets with, uh, with a, an Indian death lock, but Animal skates, and then Hawk, Hawk comes out on fire. He press slams Gagne. He does a bear hug that looks awesome as Hawk takes, like, his little skitty ass and just wrenches it, which looks like he's just freaking tossing him around. I thought that looked good. The ref gets busy with Animal, and Brenzel hits uh, Hawk, which uh, breaks the bear hug. Gagne gets the tag, and then Brenzel does a drop kick to Hawk. Uh, he does a figure four. Animal breaks it up. Hawk loudly calls Bronzel a son of a bitch and then power slams him, which I love. Uh, Animal comes in, does a body slam and an elbow. Then he does a rear chin lock. Brenzel tries to escape, but Hawk tags in and punches him into ribs. Hawk then works him over for a little bit. Brenzel tries to fight back, but is out right back into a chin lock. Then there's a body slam. Hawk misses a clothesline, and Brenzel clobbers him with a stiff high knee to the face. Jim tags in, and the crowd loses it as Ganya gets a sleeper on Hawk. Hawk tries to escape, but Ganya um, Ganya holds on to it. I, I actually thought Nelson was pretty good saying. Uh, so basically, what he did is, is Ganya gets on his back and rides him in the sleeper, which looks visually really good. Uh, I thought Nelson was great saying it looked like it's riding at the rodeo, which I thought was a kind of a good comparison. Ref goes to push uh, Jim Brunzel to his corner, and then Paul runs out uh, and co- goes to the top rope and clobbers Ganya to break the sleeper. The ref turns around and we get a DQ. Uh, that's not the best part, though. Animal throws Jim into the ring post shoulder first, and the trio beats up Ganya, who's bleeding like a stuck pig. Uh, there's a shoulder there's a shoulder breaker and a double clothesline to Brunzel. Nelson goes crazy for help as the bell keeps ringing. There's a top clothesline, top row clothesline to Ganya as wrestlers, including Tom Zank and uh, Buck Zumhoff, run in to save. <laughs> yeah, Tom Zank and Buck Zumhoff, of all people, are going to beat up the Road Warriors. Uh, finally, Kurt Hennig and good old Baron Von Raschke break through, sending the Road Warriors and Nellerin out of the ring. Ganya is a bloody mess. Um, I'm curious how you guys thought. I fucking love this match from start to finish. Um, I thought the rest, uh, Flyers wrestled a smart match, and I thought the Warriors looked badass. Um, and this is a second Flyers match I've watched in a match that, uh, two months that I've loved. Uh, I also thought Nelson and Resnick weren't that bad on commentary. I know, Dr. G, you bring up how these territory guys don't really bring anything to the table. I thought for an AWA, this is pretty good. It's a DQ finish. It knocks it up down a bit for me. Um, but I love this match. Yeah, this might be a shit take, but I went three and a quarter. Scott, I'm going to you. I'm sorry. Jesus No, I'm sorry. I went three and three quarters. Oh, Sean, you, I'm going to get a, you a Greg Gagne cameo if he's still alive. You just um, hate Greg Gagne. I mean, that's, that's the reality. You hate him. Okay. Greg Gagne was putting me to sleep in his pre-match promo, so that maybe okay, I wasn't the promo, in the best of Yes, moves. the promo sucked, but I thought the match itself was pretty damn good, and I don't care if you don't think so or not. But go ahead. I'm Sorry, I'm just jumping. I know it was Dr. G's, but I'm just jumping. Um, I did like how the High Flyers were using their speed to keep the Road Warriors off balance at first and how they were working the Road Warriors' legs because you can't move if you don't have your legs. It was smart. Um, Brunzel seemed like the star of the team, so maybe I just do hate Greg Gagne, okay? You really do. In private chats, you've been very, very critical of one Mr. Greg Gagne. Um, the match did seem a little long in the tooth. It was almost a 20-minute match, which I love the Road Warriors, but they should not be going 20 minutes. Um, the ending I didn't like, I was shocked that Ellering did that jump from the top rope because you've always heard how he had to stop wrestling because he blew out his knees. And that seems like where something where you can hurt your knees. But hey, good good for you, uh, Ellery. I, w- I went uh, two and three quarters for this, so we're, we're a whole star apart. But it's um, all right. I mean, it's not that terrible of a far apart. I'm okay with that. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, it's because you knocked it down a star because of Greg Gagne. So. Well, yeah, I mean, I fell asleep the first five minutes because of his promo where he's like, there's wrestling on the marquee. I don't blame you for shitting on the promo. The promo is not <laughs> the match. Dr. G, what did you think? <clears throat> oh, gosh, Scott, you, you cracked me up because I, I, I can't stand Greg Gagne either. Oh, <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> but, but to be honest with you, seeing this on paper, I was like, eh, it's really going to be a good match. But I was quite surprised. I went. Uh, two and three quarters as well. But I will say this. Uh, yeah, I agree. In this match, I thought Brunzel definitely uh, did a better job. But I love the way they cut the ring in half. Mm-hmm. They worked on the Road Warriors' legs. They they did. Um, they worked very well as a team. You could tell Brunzel and 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 Ganya have teamed a lot. You know, they de- definitely worked well. But I, I just. I agree with you, especially like listening to the promo. It doesn't do anything for you, but I was surprised at the length of the match when I did see. How yeah, long because ago it was. because it's a Road Warriors match, right? You would it was think a Road it's- Warriors match, but but the Road Warriors still looked pretty strong in it. That's I was I was worried about that, and uh, the ending. I love the ending where they, you know, Ganya was bleeding, and um, you know he threw Brunzel up against the um, the ring post at the mm-hmm. end, but. And and the announcers did try to make a point because Brunzel wasn't bleeding um, that it, pro- it probably hit his shoulder, which I thought was pretty good because, you know, because you're wondering, OK, why is Ganya bleeding? But the other guy who gets you know his head into a pole isn't bleeding. So, yeah, yeah the announcing was a little bit better uh, than than before. But I definitely um, uh, I love watching the Road Warriors. So, you know, I, I will tell you, they were they were fantastic in this. We've watched a few Road Warriors they matches. They held their own in this match. Yeah. I have to say. And pre-Crockett ma- matches we've watched before they got the Crockett? I don't think we've watched a bad one yet. I think, I mean, because we've watched what? With the Long Rider? We've seen a couple ones where they've done really, really great. So I I, lo- I thought they looked badass in this. And by the way, Schiff, I thought you would have given higher stars just for the sheer fact that Greg Gagne was a bleeding stuck pig. What I did love at the end where he was trying to be a fiery baby face, like he was going to whoop somebody's ass, but he looked like he could, like, you know, it's like that nerd in school that weighs like 20 pounds, like when he's soaking wet and he's all bleeding, trying to be like this big fiery baby face. It's hilarious. Yeah. It's like when everyone's like holding him back and he's like, oh, let me at him. Let me at him. It's like, no, dude, you've already gotten your get, ass beat once. Like, get out, get out of my way, Tom Zink and Zoomhoff and Von Raschke. I'm going to go kick animals ass. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> go sit down. Z-Man, get out of the way. Yeah. It's so great. But anyway. All right, we'll, do, we'll agree to disagree on how great this match, but I can accept two and a three. That's two, what you said, two and a three quarters, right? That's a lot better than I would imagine either one of you would have gone, so I'll accept it, and we'll move on. So, all right, so our third match tonight, um, another tag team match. This one's from Mid-South. Um, it is a Rock and Roll Express versus the Fabulous Freebird, so we get another Terry Gordy match, which um, is great. And this is for 624.85. This is actually... About two weeks from the Rock and Roll Express debut in Crockett when they win the tag team belts from Koloff um, that we covered off in July 85. So this is only a few weeks away from that. So I kind of like, all right, well, let's go see what's going on here. Uh, Bruce Pritchard uh, is the ring announcer. There's lots of rock and roll um, chants as we um, as they come to the ring. Robert and Buddy start exchanging holds. <coughs> Robert gets a nice arm bar so as he holds, um, as he also has Buddy in a head scissors as he lifts off the ground. So it's kind of a cool like combo arm scissors. Um, like like armbar, leg scissors things, or, that thought, or head scissors I thought was pretty cool. 
Uh, Ricky and Terry then tag, tag in. Uh, Ricky ducks a Gordy body press, but Robert tags in, and Gordy gets a suplex. The birds double team Robert. Morton runs in and attacks Buddy, but the ref pushes him back, allowing Terry to hit Robert. Ricky gets a tag and throws Buddy to the corner hard. He hits a jumping headlock uh, between, uh, I'm sorry, jumping headlock between his knees, and then there's a front face lock. Morton misses a charge to the corner, and his arm collides with the post. Gordy comes in and does a clothesline. Terry hits a second row body press on a, a Ricky corner throw. Uh, Buddy hits a bulldog for two. Gordy drops Ricky throat first on a top rope. He manhandles him over the top with no padding, and that looked pretty rough. Uh, the birds continue to tag in and out and work over Ricky. Ricky reverses a Buddy pile driver, and there's a hot tag. Robert takes on both with drop kicks with knees and punches. Ricky in, and Robert gets a roll up on Buddy, but Terry comes in and gives Robert like a really disgustingly sick looking sloppy pile driver that to me looked like it should have broke his neck um, as the ref pushes Morton back to the corner. And this gets the three counts so the free birds win. Um, honestly, guys, I don't know how Robert didn't die in that pile driver. I thought the match was solid uh, with standard uh, Ricky Morton, uh, rock and roll express face and peril with the hot tag routine. I'm not going to lie. I thought the match dragged at times and not as fast paced as most rock and roll matches. And to me, it felt somewhat house show up until the end where, uh, where Robert almost died. I, it was still good, and Terry Gordy has been a beast in two matches so far this episode. I actually went two and three quarters on this. Dr. G, what do you think? <clears throat> Dr. G? I went two and a half on it. Okay. Uh, I agree with you. There were times that it dragged. Uh, I was actually shocked at the ending, I have to be honest. They were doing the, they were doing, they were doing the job on the way out of the territory. Okay, yeah, that's right. That's right. Now really <laughs> okay. you, good point. Good point. My my bad on that one. Um, but yeah, when I saw that pile driver, I was like, how the heck? I mean, how the heck did he not get hurt? That was disgusting. That pile driver. Um, but yeah, you know the typical rock and roll express match. But yeah, like you said, it felt a little bit like a house show, and then towards the end, it, it you know it got a little better. I mean, obviously there's nothing offensive about it at all, but mm -mm. you know, you looked at this, you could, you could, you would think maybe, maybe we're going to get a, a, you know, three and a half, four star match with these two teams, you know, especially with Gordy. Gordy's really, really, uh, you know, at his peak at this point. I'm going to play buddy. If, I, if Hayes had been in it, it probably would have been better. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, yeah, I definitely, um, I definitely like the two and a half stars for that. Sounds good. It's solid. That's good. I, 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 like I said, I went two and three quarters. I'm not far off from you. Scott. What'd you think? I, I went three. Um, okay. I, the match started a little slow for me, but it picked up. I loved the uh, monkey flip to Buddy mm -hmm. from from Morton early on. I, I really liked that. Um, I loved. Uh, surprisingly, Gibson was also a, a babyface in peril. So like, they had both of them worked over. Uh, Gibson and Morton, which which I really liked. Um, with both of them being punished, I, I guess that makes sense with them leaving the territory. We got we got to show them what's going on. Um, they tried to do the pile driver or, earlier, and Morton reversed it, which I thought was really nice. And that and he made the hot tag off the reversal of the pile driver, so it was very good. Um, yeah, I thought Gibson was dead with that pile driver. Uh, Gordy maybe should hold off on not doing that. Hey, hey so shift. He I, ha I have a I have a good shift comment on that pile driver, by the way. Okay. Said so now we know why Robert Gibson's eyes are crossed. <laughs> I figured you'd appreciate that. That's a total shift comment, by the way. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. Uh, he hit him so hard it knocked a few screws loose. Um, 
but no, it was just uh, it was a good match. Uh, this is sort of like dream match territory because I didn't realize they ever really crossed paths. I know they were in WCCW, but I just always assumed that. So um, in 1990, they start feuding again, right? Yeah, yeah, 19, but that's not the yeah. that's not the real. No, 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 no. It's no, it's Hayes and Garvin versus. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah, I was surprised to find this match because I didn't think they had that many matches together. So this was kind of cool to find, I thought. So um, so you went three, I went two and three quarters, and Dr. G went two and a half. So pretty symmetrical there, right? So I think that's we're all on point with that. So, um, But yeah, if you want to go see a really disgusting pile driver, go seek the end of this match out. It might be one of the most grossest pile drivers I've ever seen in my life that was botched. Anyway. All right. It, wasn't, it also botched Robert Gibson's eyes. It so. did. Yeah. COVID I began with that pile driver. That's what happened. So, all right. So our fourth match. So this one was interesting for me. So when we started, <laughs> when we started this podcast, Buzz Tyler was the mid Atlantic champion. And the running joke was we never really ever saw Buzz Tyler, except for one match at the great American bash, um, 85. And then he was gone, but he was the mid Atlantic champion and we never saw him. Dr. G, you remember us talking, always giving him a hard time. Cause we had no idea of Buzz Tyler yeah. was right. So I figured, oh, look at this. I go to January 85, and it's Tully Blanchard versus Buzz Tyler for the TV title. I was like, oh, finally, we'll get to watch a full Buzz Tyler match. So this should be interesting. Um, hey, uh, Scott, had you ever heard of Buzz Tyler? Just from this podcast when I was uh, listening as a fan. All right. So here we go. So first thing, Tyler comes out the footloose. And again, <laughs> no music rights in Crockett in 1985. And did anyone else think Buzz Tyler looked absolutely ridiculous trying to dance to Footloose? That was a first I loved one. it. I loved it. It made me a fan of him, uh, his goofy ass white boy dancing to Footloose. Hey, and I, I know, was just he, like, he, here's, I'm all my, in. here's my exact note. I know when I think Footloose, I think fat Kenny Loggins, Kenny Loggins looking like Buzz Tyler. That's what I know it was. <laughs> my <laughs> note was Buzz, da- Buzz dancing is amazing. All right. Well, we're on two different spectrums here. All right. Uh, <laughs> Baby Doll, Baby Doll has words with Buzz. This version of the TV title, this is before they transferred to our beloved versions. It looked like a duplicate copy of one of the old Southern heavyweight titles from Memphis. It's what got like that design and small. Uh, Buzz starts off with a few hip tosses for quick twos. Um, again, per normal, Crockett arenas when they're in high schools, fucking crowd is crazy as usual. At this point, uh, Tully has held the TV title longer than anyone, we find out. Uh, Buzz with knees to Tully um, to his side and midsection. Tyler with a nice lifty knee to the gut on Tully. David Crockett mentions a Cardinal Steamboat versus Koloff um, match from last week, which, by the way, will be our final match we watch tonight uh, because I found out about that match to watch after watching this match. So good job, David Crockett. Um, Tully fights back with elbows to the back of the neck, then leans backwards on a chin lock. Tyler actually bridges back to pin Tully, but Tully gets out and takes it to a side chin lock and numerous neck holds from there. Tully sends Buzz outside. Buzz trips Tully on his way back in and does mounting punches, and he misses an elbow. Tully goes to the top rope, and he's punched on the way down. There's a neckbreaker for two. Buzz keeps trying to hold Tully down for a pin, but Tully resists. There's um, there's a knee and punches to the gut off ropes. Another lifting gut to knee. Um, a lift, yeah, so that was good. Tully keeps avoiding pins as Buzz tries to strengthen his way to pins. Uh, there's hard punches by Buzz. Buzz goes for an elbow, but uh, Tully lifts his knees. Buzz reverses a suplex for two. That was a punch... Uh, there's a punch to Tully out of the corner, and then again, knees to the kidneys. David David Crockett sounds very cooked out of his mind, screaming baby doll, um, was in tears at the punishment Tully was taken. By the way, guys, I don't know if you know this or not, this was baby doll's first official uh, 
first official appearance uh, by Tolly's side. So just oh, I wow. forgot to mention that. I forgot yeah. to mention that. Yep. Uh, Tolly gets up to the second rope elbow to the neck for two. Buzz gets up and there's a knees to Tolly's head. Buzz does an Oklahoma slam and Baby Doll gets up on the apron, distracts asshole Tommy Young. So Buzz only gets a two. Uh, Buzz hits another Oklahoma slam and Baby Doll runs in and stops the count and tosses Tommy Young as crowd goes insane as Tyler and Baby Doll stand face to face yelling at each other. Tolly knees Buzz from behind and sends him outside and beats him up outside with elbows and throws him into the railing and then walks out as crowd boos. He goes over to the interview station. Uh, and Cro- Tully, Cro- Crockett's standing there and Tully and Baby Doll is with him. Crockett goes nuts blaming Baby Doll for costing Buzz the TV title. Dusty comes out in his black hat and a trench and the two argue. Baby Doll gets in front of Tully and yells at Dusty and Dusty says he will slap her right here. Tully pulls Baby Doll away <laughs> and Dusty challenges uh, Tully to the TV title for $10,000. Says Baby Doll gets in his way. He will fly home here. He fly his mom here to slap her. There's a hot crowd. now, And here's what's really great. We get the first appearance of Baby Doll, and now we see how Dusty and Tully began their feud here in January of 85 to where we picked it up in April. Um, and again, this was a really good, solid TV title defense. I thought he made Buzz look good. I went two and a half. I could probably go a little bit higher, but I loved every minute of it from start to finish. So, Scott, I'll go to you first. I love this match. This is my first time seeing Buzz Tyler. And as we mentioned before, seeing him, his goofy ass dance in the footloose was just amazing. <laughs> you're, you're, an I, I, you're an idiot. I, I really am. Yeah, I, I really am. You're an idiot. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> I was wow. shocked at how it was all Buzz at first, but then Tully is so smooth. He, he was on his knees and hit Buzz with a forearm so hard in his gut that he went to the ground. And yep. after that, it was all Tully. He was working the neck. And I like how I was back and forth. Um, like, we have a nice neck breaker from Buzz as well. And, like, you brought up, like, Tyler hit a vicious knee drop to Tully before he uh, going into the finishing sequence. And then Baby Doll with the interruption. Like, I like I was shocked. I, you know, I just figured Tully was going to win. So this, like, keeps, like, some shine on Buzz as well. I went three and a quarter. I really thought this match was really good. It blew me away. I thought, like, you know, you sent us the list of matches. I thought this was going to be the dud, even with Tully, but it wasn't. Like, I wanted to see more of this. I wanted to see more of Buzz Tyler as well. I could convince him to go up two, three, two and three quarters. I actually went two and a half because I thought you shit all over it, and I didn't want to get yelled at. So, no, um, three and yeah. a quarter for me. Yeah. I told you these are all over no. the place. I must have been no. in a good mood. Yeah. So, but again, Dr. G, not only the match, but. From an historical context standpoint, the start of Dusty versus Tully that we pick up in April and the first appearance of Baby Doll. What did you think of all this? Well, yeah, that's uh, thank you for letting me know about the Baby Doll. I didn't realize that was the first time. So this all kind of puts it in perspective and you see how everything grew. Um, I have to be honest with you, seeing this on paper, I was not I was kind of like, yeah, this is kind of boring. What is this? You, 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 you and me both. <laughs> um, and, you know. I figured out Tully would, you know, do a decent job, but I have to be honest with you, it was it was a really an entertaining match, and you know, Buzz Tyler could go, you know, good hand, good hand, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yep. Um, I went two two and uh, two and three quarter stars on it. All right. So yeah, pretty solid match here. Um, you know, again, you get these matches on the syndicated shows that randomly you just find a hidden gem, and um, it's it's just pretty neat to watch. And you know, it's. Especially with Tully, like you remember one of the first matches we watched were him versus Don Kernodal for the TV title in May of '85. That's still one of my all-time favorite matches. So again, like I said on our last show, you can't not at least check out the syndicated shows like Worldwide or Mid Atlantic because you might miss a really good hidden gem. And I really was surprised how good I, I really liked this match. And 
regardless of if he's a goofy dancing motherfucker, I'd still like to see more of Buzz Tyler. Maybe maybe go check out some 84. Um, and, and we do have 84 coming next month, so I don't know if I have a Buzz Tyler match on there or not, but I have to check him out some more. So, all right. So from that, we go to match number five. So this one, another historical, very historical match, um, which literally is a week prior to Crockett launching. Um, and you get to see Wahoo McDaniel versus Magnum TA in a cage for the U.S. title. And this is also on the syndicated worldwide show on March 30th, 1985. Um, as I said, this match took place the week prior to us starting the pod. Wahoo had been a heel for some time. And um, I don't know if you know this or not, though, uh, Dr. G. Wahoo um, was in co- cahoots with Tully Blanchard. And Wahoo had actually been feuding with Ric Flair at this point as a heel. So the transition we're seeing now when we get to April and how they switch off, you don't see Wahoo again after this match. I think this was his goodbye match up until we see him again um, in November at Starcade, but pretty historical match here. So Wahoo, um, again, Wahoo had been a heel here for some times, and TA was a top contender. Tony Schiavone and David Crockett debate if people respect or fear Wahoo. Um, the first question I had was, Colin, which one do you think it is? But he's not here to answer that. <laughs> uh, Magnet TA gets an arm drag to allow pop. Wahoo with a, a headlock and does a side move to, uh, move to hide from ref to kick TA in the nuts, which I thought was pretty funny. TA is having none of it, though, and punches uh, Wahoo and hits a forearm for two. The crowd, again, is absolutely lit, lit and bonkers. Uh, TA works the arm. He hits a double drop kick for two. Uh, foot on ropes, I guess, counts in Crockett cages because the foot on the ropes, he... he Quick counting. There's chops and elbows between the two. Wahoo is thrown into the cage. <clears throat> Magnum softens up Wahoo's head with foot scrapes, punches, and headbutt. Wahoo then pulls TA by the tights head first into the cage, and TA is bleeding um, And he, as he tr- keeps trying to fight out of Wahoo pins. Wahoo does a slam and chops to the head. Um, there's a small package for two, and then TA's, he put, takes TA's head to the turnbuckle and, again, scrapes his knee to the head. TA then mule kicks Wahoo down out of the corner. Wahoo climbs uh, rope to cage uh, up to get up the cage, but TA hits an amazing back suplex for really, really high on the big man, which again I thought looked really good. Um, was surprised to actually see Wahoo take that bump. Wahoo gets up and he chops and backbreaker um, uh, Magnum for and does elbows for two. Wahoo does a shoulder block off the ropes, goes for another, and TA hits a belly to belly out of nowhere for three. Um, historic moment here seems like kind of a send off for Wahoo as he recently just turned. Um, it just basically, again, it seems like because he recently full time just returned in our current timeline. So this is kind of a send off. I think he went off to Florida after this. Um, but, yeah, that back suplex off the turnbuckle and that belly to belly was pretty great. The rest of the match I thought was pretty damn good. But, man, David Crockett and the crowd made it feel like a five star banger. Um, you know, I think I was gone two and three quarters on it for a stor- But for historical context, I'm going to go three. I also think it's interesting this match and prior match. They feel like resets, like Tully Blanchard and Dusty was the reset going into April. And I feel like this match is a reset to get the focus on uh, Magnum TA. So um, it can almost feel like it's setting up for the Crockett that we start seeing in April. So, gee, I'll go to you first. What do you think of this? I went two and a three, three quarter stars. I mean, probably one of the better matches we've seen Wahoo in. Correct. Yeah, probably ever, I guess, since we've been doing the with the exception of that Ric Flair match in Florida that column hated, I thought that was better. But uh, that's okay. That's okay. Uh, but, that's okay. But I thought this one was pretty. I, and, uh, again, you see the the building up of TA. You see 
with Wahoo leaving. You're right. I think he went to Florida, and that's when I think he won the uh, U- their, their version of the U.S. Tag Titles with Billy Jack Eanes. Yeah, and then we saw him again in November when they came back to defend the or they came back to exactly. take on the Anderson the Andersons in the national. So yeah. um, I definitely you know, and you see the like I said the ascension of of TA. Um, you know, before and now we're getting to see the really meaty stuff of of his uh, career now. Um, but I think, you know, Wahoo put him in a cage. For all you're not looking for anything, any scientific kind of match. That's the kind of match he needs to be in. Mm-hmm. And um, I was surprised that I was going to rate this uh, this high. It would have been interesting mm-hmm. to see what Callum would have rated it. I, you know what, I might actually. I might go out of my way to say, hey, Colin, I know you missed the show, but can you watch this match? Because I want to get your thoughts on our next episode. So I'll actually reach out to him and say, hey, I would really like to hear your thoughts. I've got to find out. Yep. All right. Uh, Scott, what do you think? Well, I'm glad Callum's not on because I think he would have just exited our call. <laughs> um, I really liked this match. I thought it was a banger. I loved Magnum. He headbutted uh, Wahoo at one point. And he sold it after that, like he had headbutted a Samoan, which was really cool because, like, we're always like WWF's like Samoans have the hard head, that's why you don't headbutt them. He did that. He did like the selling after he gave a um, uh, headbutt to to Wahoo. I, I just loved it. Like, I I don't know. I must have been in like a great mood. Like, I love when Wahoo was like chopping the hell out of Magnum. Yeah, Scott, the match isn't bad at all. I mean, I yeah, don't know, well, it's not bad. And but like I, like the backdrop from the top, I bid on. When, when that for the two and i loved how magnum hit the belly to belly out of nowhere sort of like the rko or the diamond cutter and we got the new champ and like that might be the stro- the crockett stroke out moment i went four stars what yeah what wait what yeah oh scott i mean <laughs> four stars yeah dr g any thought on the four stars I don't know if I would have gone four stars, but I, I enjoyed the match. But I, 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 Scott, I'm I'm shocked. I, I I knew you would like the match, but I didn't think you'd go that high. Doctor G is such a nice man because I know I, <laughs> I, 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 I that Scott, come on, really? I, yeah, I I just don't know why. Like it's it spoke to me, Sean. I I enjoyed wow. the shit out of it. I mean, I liked it, but again, I, I mean, it wasn't anything like anyway. Okay, great. I'll take it. Normally, I'm the go on the four stars, and you're giving me shit. I guess we're on the opposite end of the spectrum on this one. I, 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 it's concerning. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, we'll we'll move on from that four star banger, according to Scott, <laughs> and we'll do I, our. I, I mean, if you said three and a half, three, to, eh, you know, yeah, three and a quarter, three and a half, yeah. But you know, but it's shift. <laughs> the bottom line is, if you enjoyed it, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yes. Thank you. All right. So our last match tonight. Which, again, one of those things that I'm like, Jesus, really? This happened? Don Kernodal and Ricky Steamboat versus the Coloss. Um, and this is from a week prior to the Tully Buzz match we watched. So, And this is a flag match, which, in the end, didn't really mean much because you still won by a pinfall. But pretty big match. And by the way, guys, historical context. As it was Baby Doll's first appearance the week after... This is Steamboat's last appearance in Mid-Atlantic as he's heading to the WWF right after this match. Yeah, uh, Steamboat has actually talked about this on a couple of podcasts that 
he left because he felt he wasn't one of Dusty's guys because like he would have these like time limit draws with Tully for like the TV title. Well, he wrestled at Starcade and Tully got the win on that match too. So now he's in a random match with Kernodo against the Coloss. So I could see why he's probably not happy. Yeah, and like, but like he would like do like the five minute thing, and like there would still be a draw after five minutes. It's like, oh, we need another five minutes, and then he beat it, and then like, then Dusty would have him beat, have totally beat within like the time limit, and someone would interfere. So it was like what well, he was making me look like I was a joke. So that was one of the reasons why he left. You know, it's pretty amazing if you really think about Dusty Rhodes booking. Steamboat really doesn't fit the mold if you really think about no, it. He he really which, he really doesn't. Yeah. yeah, so that's interesting though. But yeah, this is his last match. He's out after this. Kernodal, so Kernodal is in his neck brace, which is good because if you remember Starcade 84, he was at ringside when Ole and his brother took on um, the Coloss then, um, but he's still selling. He still has the neck brace on, so nice continuity here um, a few months later. So uh, the fans in this um, are ridiculously hot. The faces lighted up to start, and Steamboat is on fire with chops to both Nikita and Ivan. Uh, Steamboat works over Ivan over in a chin, a chin hold. Kernodal distracts Nikita, who runs in. That costs Ivan a tag as Nikita is not in the corner to make the tag, which I thought was pretty good. Kernodal and Nikita in, and a Kernodal hits a back suplex. Steamboat tags in, does a chop to Nikita from a top um, and a clothesline. Nikita uh, taking some bumps in this one. Like he's, I mean, Nikita has not been the greatest bumper, but he does pretty good in this match. Nikita tosses Kernodal into Ivan's knee, and Ivan starts working the neck, and it's a nip breaker and a clothesline. Russian takes turn working over Kernodal's neck. Kernodal's popularity in wrestling still cracks me up um, because, you know, he he's really good in the ring and he really doesn't look like your, you know, typical wrestler, but he's really over in here. Um, he just, I know if you look at the other three in the ring, he just kind of seems like the peg in the square that doesn't fit, but he does. Um, Nikita hits a sickle. Uh, Kernodal plays to face in peril for a really long time, taking some abuse to his neck. Ivan then misses a sickle and Kernodal hits a net breaker, but he hurts his neck and the abuse continues. Kernodal keeps fighting, but stopped at every turn. Ivan, um, let's see, um, Ivan face, Kernodal goes up to the top rope, but Steamboat lifts Ivan up for a back suplex, and Kernodal does a top clothesline into the back suplex, which was really random, because Steamboat didn't even tag in, he just ran in. Uh, Tommy counts three, and the crowd goes crazy. The faces beat up the Russians until Crusher runs in, and he and Nikita uh, beat up on Don. Steamboat grabs a flagpole and chases him off. Really weird ending to Steamboat. Wasn't really a factor for 90% of the match. Maybe you don't, maybe they, they already knew he was leaving, but he just suddenly comes in when he wants and, you know, asshole ref Tommy Young just lets him do it to let Kernodal win. So it didn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, I thought Kernodal was an awesome baby face in peril and seems like a nice big moment for him because I think this is like one of the last angles he was a really big part of to close out this feud with the Russians. So um, I went two and a half on it. I, I thought there was just long, 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 long work on Kernodal. Um, and Steamboat wasn't really a factor, and that disappointed me again in this a little bit. But again, this was a feud ending, and with Steamboat leaving, again, feels like another brick in resetting on our way to April. So some matches really put some context into where we ended up in April, and I thought that's why tonight I really enjoyed these matches, because I got some historical value out of knowing where we were at as we were transitioning. So Dr. G, I'll go to you first. I went two and a half on this. What do you think? Uh, I went two, two and a quarter on it. Um, you're right. I was. I really. I. I love watching Steamboat go. I would have loved to have seen a little bit more of that. Um, I like the continuity uh, with Colonel with the um, the neck. The neck break, which mm-hmm. I forgot about. So, <laughs> so that kind of uh, helped. And that, that's why I'm here, Doctor G. <laughs> 
That's why we love you so much, huh? Yeah, of course. Thank you. Go ahead. <laughs> no, but, uh, I, you know, um, I, again, I, would, I probably would have gone a little bit higher, but I just felt like at times it was just just a little bit of dragging a little bit in the middle of it. But And Nikita is so green. Nikita is so green. So, so green. He is very green, yes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, he just had the package of being that intimidating character, but he he definitely, uh, you know, when you go back and see this and, either, you know, even though you, you don't think he improved, but now when you go back and watch something before we started doing the watches, you're like, OK, well, well he did kind of improve a little bit, maybe not to great extent, but but definitely better than he was uh, in this match. Yep. Scott, what do you think? Let me tell Let me guess. Four stars. You're not far off. Um, oh, Jesus Christ. All right, go ahead. So, I really like this match. Um, I loved at the start where I love when the partners get Irish wit into um, to each other. Like, it's reversed in their Irish wit. I just love that spot. I love how Ricky at first was, like, basically, like, doing his arm drags that he's famous for. Um, and Crockett was actually losing his mind when Ricky was doing that. Um I love how, like, uh, when they brought in Cronodal, like, they were working over the knee, and they were they isolated Cronodal, but, like, here's what I have a problem with. Um, and, like, the psychology of working the neck was great. Even I didn't even know that he had that injury, so that was very nice. Um, I loved when uh, – this is, like, another, I guess, Crockett strokeout moment when Cronodal can't get tagged in. David just screams out no, like he's being, like, stabbed in the heart by his, like – David Crockett was amazing in this match. I mean, no yeah. doubt. So I think it added something to it for me. I did not like the blue balling of the hot tag, essentially. Like, mm. we're waiting for it, we're waiting for it. And like you said, Ricky just runs in. It's like, what are we doing type situation. You know what? Yeah, um, I think he ran in because he's like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm going up to, I'm going to Connecticut. Fuck this shit. That's what he did. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I did, <laughs> sorry. Sorry, Scott. I didn't mean to throw you off. <laughs> but I loved how they threw Nikita out of the ring. And Cronodal's like, let's do what what they did to me, because that's what even Crockett even says. And they do that move, and like he just comes down on his neck, and we get the one, two, three with Cronodal, you know, getting the pin. But um, but then they lose their heat immediately after. So I guess Dusty is booking with Cronodal and Set and Steamboat getting um, Cronodal getting beat up, and then Steamboat comes in. And uh, this is for you, Dr. G. He's swinging the flag like he's Aaron Judge. And if he would have connected with someone, he probably would have killed killed them. Um, <laughs> because he was swinging that flag like no other. But I, I went three and a half. I had it as three and three quarters until, like, the lack of hot tag. Because they were building up to it. They would have blown the roof off of that high school. Or wherever the hell they were. At a high school gym, they were echoing off the basketball. The basketball yeah. <laughs> Scott, were you drunk when you watched tonight's show, the, the, tonight's uh, matches? No, I wasn't. I, I watched them at different <laughs> I, I, times. I, I had the hardest time on this show out of everybody. I had the hardest time trying to figure out, you know, the mojo of rhythm on how you view your matches because you're all over the board and I can't figure it out. And I think it keeps – I don't know if it frustrates me or if it keeps me interested. I haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> I don't really figure it out either, Sean, because, like, I'll be watching a match and, like, this shit sucks. And, like, you guys, like, do, like, your stars. And I was like, okay. So, but then there's other ones like, oh, this is two and a half star. And I'm like, this match was awesome. Three and a half. Like, it I is. Just, it's weird. Like, you surprised me on a Japan match on the last episode. 
the four stars on the Wahoo blows my mind. And honestly, this one, I just, I, I'm, I'm stunned. Stunned. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know if it's like the crowd or like, you know, the announcers hyping up and it just adds to it. It's just like, I get stuck as like a kid again. And I'm like, just losing my mind as I'm watching it. You know what it is? You also overrated several matches in the Crockett cup, but I think a couple of you did too, but that's just me. I'm sorry. Nor- normally, I'm the one no commentary. Normally, I'm the one that overrates. By the way, that Sheep Herder's fantastic match is great, but it's not an all-timer like Meltzer said it was. I'm just being honest. I know. But no, I, no, 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 I, I liked it too, but I mean, anyway, that's that's we're past <laughs> that now. We're moving on. I think because listen, I think because here's what I'm going to say for you. I think it's because we you we spent the last. Three episodes prior to the last episode watching Crockett Cup matches that really not a lot of them set your world on fire. I think you got some good shit in this and it set you it fired you up. That's what I'm gonna go. It with. really did. It really did. And like to be honest, I haven't like I've been watching like some wrestling, but not that much. But like so watching the stuff again just like rejuvenated me and I'm like, holy shit, wrestling's amazing. So well, we'll, yeah. we'll so so we'll so all right. So any thought any final thoughts, Dr. G, any final thoughts before we wrap this up? Well, I, I was tell you this i there was not one bad match in these six matches not which, not a one and i was greatly appreciative of that by the way <laughs> yeah, yes i mean i have to be honest i mean i know when you're picking them you don't really totally know until you watch them but you did a pretty decent job so honestly job. honestly I, I did i did watch all these matches prior to picking them i did so this time this time i did um but yeah but 85 i mean 85 was good from the start i mean Clearly, even as we jumped into April, so so that, so when next time we do this uh, this kind of episode will be it's going to be four four episodes after this because May is four episodes. Thank God it's not seven; it is four. Uh, but when we do this episode again, we'll go, we'll be doing 1984. So we'll see if 1984 can keep up with what we saw in 1985. I will tell you about 1984. A lot of people call that the year of transition where you see a lot of like the old timers, you know, the assassins and Angela Mosca and all that, you know, you see a lot of transition in 84 into 85. So um, that'll be interesting. I'll be able to uh, Scott, especially for you. I'll be curious to see if the matches I pick in 84 hold up for you the same way that these 85 matches did. Yeah, it should be, it should be interesting because like, I've heard the same thing about it, um, about Crockett in 84, where it's like, uh, like that's when Dory Funk, I'm pretty sure, is booking, and it's just not good. Like that's when they were losing money big time. <clears throat> yeah, it, it, you know, it really is. It's you know, '84. I've watched some of it. There's actually a YouTube channel um, that's called The Year of Transition. It's like 195 different parts where they do like 10 minute blips, kind of like what we do on this show, <clears throat> but they do it on YouTube, where they take all the like syndicated shows and show what happened in '84, people that left, people that came in, and let me tell you something. There is some uh, <laughs> there's some tough stuff to watch in that. So tough stuff. Um, so let's talk about our next episode. So our next episode, we are finally getting into May. Um, and so on our last our last episode, we talked about the end of April and all the different angles that transition into May. So this let me give you a little bit of a preview. So in May part one. So let me tell you what what do you think about this? So we have Kernodal versus Arn Anderson for the TV title from Mid Mid Atlantic. What do you think of that, Scott? Well, I'm all in after seeing this last Kernodal match, and Arn always brings it. So hopefully, I get to see a Gourd Buster. All right, 
And then we go to that's on Mid-Atlantic. Then on Worldwide, we get a whole episode of Worldwide dedicated to Tully versus Garvin for the national heavyweight title. Ooh, Tully versus Garvin. Ooh. The The whole episode of that show is Tully versus Garvin. Does it take place at Tully's house? In the middle no, of the night. No, but I'm pretty sure it'll take place in a high school where the crowd will be absolutely batshit. That already loses a star for it not being a home invasion. And our territory spotlight match. We're going back to world class. Bruiser Brody versus Rick Rude. What do you think Rick of that? Rick Rude. Wow, okay. Rick, Rick, Rick I, Rude versus Bruiser Brody from world class. That should be interesting. Yeah, so those are a couple of the matches we'll watch um, in between the angles and stuff. But uh, that's all coming up in May Part 1. May is a very hot month. Um, and there's some really big developments in the uh, Baby Dog, Cornette stuff as well. So uh, it'll be great to talk about. So I know Dr. G had to step out for a minute. Are you back? He's still on mute, so he's probably not back. But I'm back. Okay, so uh, before we go, any again, I really enjoy these like match watches. So I'm glad they were good. Um, next time we do this after May, we'll talk about um, 1984. So um, we'll we'll look at that. Um, and then Schiff and I, um, by the time we get to the end of May, we might have something a little special for episode number 50. We're still talking about it. I don't want to make any promises, but Schiff, I think you and I have a pretty good idea of concept of what we want to do for episode 50 based on where we'll be in a few weeks. Yes, Um yeah. Don't want to, you know, just in case plans change, pal. But uh, we'll we'll see what we'll see what happens. But yeah, ho- I'm feeling ho- good things. Hopefully it works out. Um, hopefully, um, maybe our friend Fat Red doesn't Fat Rad doesn't throw us out of something. But it should be good if we can figure it out how to do it. <laughs> anyway, uh, before we go, Doctor G, anything you would like to plug? Yes, you can listen to me. <laughs> you cracking me up tonight. Uh, you can listen to me on. Uh, this NWA Saturday special, which drops every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. with uh, my co-host, the Podfather himself, Scott Criscolo. We break down the NWA, getting ready for Always Ready uh, in a couple weeks. And um, you know what? There's always some great things going on in the, in the uh, current NWA. I'm, I'm enjoying that probably more than any of the wrestling promotions right now. Yeah, I have enjoyed the current NWA. I'm comparable to Impact. Impact's been pretty damn good lately, too, but um, I feel like current day NWA and the Saturday special guys go listen to it. Don't go listen to the great value one that the NWA has by those idiots. Uh, but I feel like they're catching a groove and are, they're starting to get some pretty decent stars from the Indies in there now. And whether they stay or go is one thing, but at least they're getting them on their pay-per-view, which is really good. So I, I'll, I'll okay. sign off on that. I'll sign off on that. Um, I still think Colby Carino is already the champion. I heard your Saturday special this weekend, but we'll see what happens. Um, Scott, how about you? Yeah, I can be found on Twitter at um, Scott underscore Shifflet. And you can check me out on uh, YouTube Roulette. Blockbuster Rewind should um, will be making its grand return. Coming back with that with a little bit of a format change. So that's fun on the pop feed. Is also, it still, it's is it still six hours. No, it will not be six hours. OK, only right, three fine. and a half. Only that's three better. and a half. That's better. Um, Good. And we will be also doing uh, the. Um, Pop goes to the couch. We will be doing some of these summer series if we find the time. But it's a hot summer with the boys, Obi-Wan, Miss Marvel, She-Hulk, and Stranger Things. So crazy times ahead, guys. Two of those I might miss. We'll see. Okay. Can you figure I out which two? Can you figure out which two? Uh, Miss Marvel and Stranger Things. Probably. But you know what? I'll yeah. give them a shot because I'm a fair guy. 
And I enjoy doing uh, that. Po- I, I enjoy doing that pod with you guys. So I'd probably just jump on just to do it anyway, even if I didn't want to watch it. So, um, but anyway, guys, as far as me, um, you can find me on Twitter at NWA Crop and Roll. Um, Schiff already brought up YouTube Roulette, um, and I'll plug one more time uh, for me uh, the pod blast that I do, typically 15 to 20 minutes uh, before I was a mark, where I just pick random matches um, throughout the history of wrestling that I never watched. Um, prior to my wrestling fandom in 86. So I have a wide variety of matches. Um, I've actually mapped it out for at least 30 episodes and there's some freaking stuff on there that I didn't even know existed. And probably many of you didn't know existed either, unless your um, name is Pete Schumacher, who's probably watched them all. But anyway, uh, I am Sean Kidd. He is Scott Shiflett. And for Dr. G, we will see you in two weeks when we finally begin May of 1986. And we can officially close out and move on into our second year of looking at Crockett after two years of doing this podcast. So we'll talk to you guys all then. Thanks, everybody. Yeah.